You found it. No nonsense. No scripts. Real people on real issues. Hard hitting and action packed with logic, reason, and common sense. Everything you need and everything you've been looking for in a podcast. This is Dynamic Independence with Johnny Anderson, Bruce Adams, Marty Foster, and GP. Welcome to it. Start of a brand new week. How are we today, gentlemen? Bruce, it's good to see you. Are you staying warm down there? You look bundled up. You look cold. Uh, I, I mean, it is cold here. Um, last night, I got to two degrees um, Fahrenheit, which for those of you that don't use Fahrenheit, that's negative like 25 degrees Celsius or somewhere around there. It's a little chilly. So, it's a little, little chilly. chilly. Well, as we're sitting here talking about, and that's about what the temperature's been over here the last few days too, because it's been really cold. Coldest wave coming through here in like 40 years. That's how cold it's been. Yeah, well, isn't it's supposed uh, to get even colder here. Yeah, isn't, isn't climate change great? Isn't it great? There's a meme floating around there of Greta Thunberg holding up a sign that says, sorry, I lied. And as we're sitting here talking about how cold it is. I know it was cold. It was cold. It was almost 52 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, as, as we're sitting here talking about how cold it is uh, with his straw hat and his, the zinc oxide on his nose. GP, how are you? <laughs> it's a little chilly, man. I am. I, I know, I GP. To you're gonna have to. I could you just had put, to put the, on GP. Put the shoes. coconut. Put the coconut drink with the paper umbrella. Put that down and take your Panama Jack <laughs> glasses off, so you, so we can see you. Okay. Yeah, I had to put on shoes. It was terrible to go it's outside. Awful. It's awful when you have to put sandals on to go outside. Yeah, it's it's just it's. Well, terrible. no, no, it's not. I normally wear is the sandals, but I had to actually put on the shoes. <laughs> I do say <laughs> yeah, I said, put <laughs> shoes on. <Yeah>, <laughs> I, it, I'll, I'll go out and get the mail or something and use flip flops. So it, it's yeah. It's, yeah. And it's wintertime. Well, it's uh, it's really cold here. Woo. Yeah. No, yeah. As he say, as he's saying that, yeah, he's actually figuring out what temperature his air conditioner set all at the moment. So <laughs> it's uh, I'm hitting the beach tomorrow. You're so. going to the beach tomorrow. Could you? Could, yeah, it's, I'm it's going to bad. study on the beach as opposed to studying study. in my office. I'm going to be studying on the beach. Okay. All right. The beaches are open then. They actually open them up. Yes. No. What? <laughs> <laughs> the beaches that I will be going to, the beach actually that I go to is open. I believe all the beaches are open. Uh, I don't. I don't know if there's any limitation on the beaches anywhere in California. Well, I tell you something. They better be open. They damn well better be open out there. Do you know why they damn well better be open? Because hmm. If they're not open, then this recall effort is actually going to go through. Gavin Newsom has been petitioned for a recall, and they have more than the required signatures. It's 1.3 million is the required signatures, and they hit their target. They wanted to go a couple hundred thousand above that in case there was any mm-hmm. They actually want to go to or, 2 million. They want to go to 2 million. Yeah. So right now, right now, they've got uh, 1.5 million on the on the uh, the recall effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, organizers of a campaign to recall Cal- or California Governor Gavin Newsom say they have obtained the requirement no, the qu- required number of signatures to trigger a special election. How's this going to work? How's this going to work? So what what's going to happen? So that is it like the state legislature has to sign off on it, and then there's a the, like the recall happens. How's this going to work out there? You, you want us to think that far ahead? Well, of I course I do. I, I want you to throw this bum out of office. That's what I want you to do. All we got was get the signatures, get them out. Okay. Oh. And then what? We don't, we is, don't, we don't. There's, okay. We, the, and well, then what is is speculative to get the signatures first? Because why? Why? 
put the carriage before the before the horse. Sorry. Well, no, the, you're right. The organization that's doing it does have plans. Um, yes, they, I, they I've heard, plans. But as far as you know, the, the average person, what they're being told, yeah. Uh, you, you'd have to go on to their websites or whatnot to look at it. They say that uh, they're aiming for 2 million signatures by mid-March uh, due to the verification process, right? That's why they wanted to be well over the uh, the required amount in case there was any problem. Because recall efforts, for those that don't know, recall efforts take a lot of time and they cost a lot of money. And yeah, you, you need to get it right. Uh, and it's entirely possible. This is the other problem with recall efforts. The, it's entirely possible that it might not work. It might fail. And you'll be stuck with the same bum you tried to throw out of office. So uh, the group noted that there was a 25% disqualification rate among signatures collected the last time. So they tried to do this once before. Mm-hmm. Well, see, the, uh, the, the thing is, is they look for any reason to invalidate those signatures. Um, yeah, see, to get they, elected, they you can use illegals, uh, double signatures, dead people. Fair enough. Yeah, okay. So let me ask but you this. If to get rid of somebody that's a Democrat, you have to literally have sworn statements, affidavits. Uh, you have to get notary republics. The whole nine yards, you know. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, so I, I'm a little unclear on this because I've never actually seen a recall effort go through. I've seen governors fight them before, the last of which, the last major governor to go through a recall effort was Scott Walker in Wisconsin. You remember that? I want to say it was about eight, nine years ago is when that happened. He goes through a recall effort. Let's say that he gets recalled. Okay, let's say that that he's on the uh, well, for, you know, to put it in an, in an analogy, let's say he's on the chopping block. All right. So who steps in there? Is it the lieutenant governor that steps in in the interim until they can trigger a special election, and then who goes on the ballot? Well, according to uh, current political situation as we have right now, it'll be it'll be Cuomo. Cuomo will come in. <laughs> wouldn't be much of that be a side grade. I was going to say, be. that would, yeah. <laughs> I mean, can we can we get Governor Moonbeam back? Can we can we get uh, Governor Jerry Brown? Can I'm, we get him back to, to fill in until we can get somebody else? I, I'm, uh, I'm about ready with the guy that just gave me my McNuggets. I, I'm 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 good with that. No, you can't do that. Arnold Schwarzenegger was already governor. Oh, that's right. Crap. <laughs> Gray Davis, who was recalled in 2003, was the first governor recalled in the United States since 1921. Davis was ultimately replaced by Republican Arnold Schwarzenegger, the former bodybuilder and actor, which he went to get a COVID vaccine a couple of weeks ago. You remember that? Yeah. How they... Mm-hmm. Didn't take the cap off the needle. Yeah, it was, it was quite interesting. If well, the, because he said he didn't want to get the real vaccine, and then they realized that was a real vaccine one. So the right. saline water needle. Right. Uh, if the recall makes it onto the ballot, voters will be asked whether they want to recall Newsom and who should replace them. If a majority of voters approve the recall, the next governor will be the individual who accumulates the most votes. Okay, so that I guess that kind of answers my question. I'm still asking the question, how do you get on the ballot? Good question. That's that's what I'm trying to. Uh, what is it? Is it people that are already in in the system, like people that are already party reps that are like teed up and ready to go? I mean, that's that's the only thing I can think here. Hmm. So uh, it looks like according to the secretary of state, uh, once they're notified of the petition having the the required number of signatures, which the signature the signatures have to be physical, you can't do it online. Right. Um, it, they then uh, initiate the recall and contact the Department of Finance to estimate the costs 
of a recall election and then submit the estimate to the chairperson of the Joint Legislative Budget Committee, governor, lieutenant governor, and secretary of state. Um, now I see why it costs so much money to do this. Yeah. So uh, candidates would file uh, nomination papers with county election officials. Uh, the secretary of state will certify the names of candidates. And if the majority of voters say yes on the question to recall, the governor is removed and the candidate with the majority vote is his successor. I see. OK. All right. Well, let's see how the ball is going to roll. Let's see if uh, let's see if you guys can get him out of there. I hope you do. I hope you do, because he's been absolutely detrimental to that state. Speaking of California. OK, speaking of California, go ahead. What, yeah, again? Spe- speaking of California. Well, I want to talk about another uh, stellar representative you have out there. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Uh, oh, she's not she happy. is. She, she's not happy. Right? The, the, the thing in the Senate, right, the uh, the unconstitutional, illegal show trial, sham, whatever it was, it was an abject failure. Trump was acquitted. You notice he was acquitted uh, on a weekend when no one was paying attention. Yeah. It wasn't during a weekday when all the news feeds are on and all the offices and all the airports and everywhere. It was done Uh on a weekend when no one was paying attention. But see, now, now uh, the uh, the senators and the impeachment Mm -hmm. managers, they say and this is out of this out of Politico this morning, they say that the trial is over, but the work isn't done. So now they got to get to work. They got a lot of work to do going after all the people that supported this act of insurrection and this uh, whatever this was. But Nancy Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi, she she's upset. She's upset because you need two thirds to convict in the Senate. You need two thirds. And they didn't have it. It was it was basically it was 50 50. It was like, what was it? 50, 50, uh, 54, like, 46. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Believe me, the standout Republicans. Oh, yeah, they got named. They got named. 5743. 5743. Okay. All right. Pelosi is, uh, yeah, she, she was a little upset. She was in a press conference earlier today and she said, and I'm quoting here, she says, what we saw in the Senate today was a cowardly group of Republicans who apparently have no options because they were afraid to defend their job, respect the institution in which they serve. She said to the majority of the Senate GOP who found Trump not guilty of incitement of insurrection. Lady, you're trying them in a kangaroo court. The, the first bit there that she's saying that they're cowardly and not holding their, you know, upholding their position, blah, blah, blah. That no option. That part, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah, the yeah. beginning part of that statement, because those seven that voted again, uh, voted for, um, they're cowards. If you look back in uh, over the last four years, all of those senators were the ones that had personal grudges against Trump. Are you are you saying that Mitt Romney had a personal grudge against Trump? What was it? Because because he Mitt didn't Romney's get named a as Democrat. <laughs> that's a that's a serious allegation to make there, Bruce. That's a, that's a serious charge on on the good senator there. It's not like he got on a got on an airplane and the entire airplane was screaming traitor at him for the whole three and a half hour flight to D.C. It's not like that happened. Yeah, it's not like he's been siding with Democrats for the last, what, 40 years that he's been in office. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he ran on the GOP ticket. I mean, I, I swear, I'm, I think I was the only voice of, of dissent back then. And I said, because people were like, oh, uh, you're you're not voting for Romney. I said, no, I'm not voting for Romney. Why on earth wouldn't you vote for Romney? I said, because he's not he's not even a Republican. I said, what does he have his voter ID card? Right. That's the only thing it says. He's a Republican. I said, this guy's not a conservative. He's the furthest thing from it. Pelosi wasn't scheduled to attend the news conference, but she was motivated to come over after she heard after she heard GOP leader Mitch McConnell's speech in the Senate. McConnell blasted Trump for his disgraceful dereliction of duty. Oh, you got a lot of nerve, Senator. You got a lot of nerve. 
After but, he voted to acquit him, by the way. Yeah, after he voted to acquit him, yeah. Um, yeah. Voted him not, yeah, uh, voted not guilty, uh, citing constitutional concerns about the trial taking place in the, when Trump left office. Of course, you had, oh, when I heard, when I heard out of Senator Mike Lee on Thursday, when I heard him say that on Thursday, the Chief Justice John Roberts, which I'm no fan of, wasn't even consulted about presiding over the trial in the Senate. That, I mean, you, you can't even, that that's beyond Banana Republic kangaroo court level stuff at that point, as if it wasn't bad enough to begin with. Pelosi said McConnell gave a very disingenuous speech because it was McConnell who actually delayed the start of the impeachment trial until after Trump left office by refusing to accept the article of impeachment the House wanted to deliver earlier. You impeached the guy. No, no, that, that that's false. That statement is false. Well, she's never been known they, to tell the truth. Well, they didn't hand over the articles of impeachment until like a week and a half after they did the impeachment. Yeah, because they knew that it was all a bunch of nonsense. They weren't going to convict on anything anyway. There was nothing they could. There was no grounds to impeach the guy anyway, to begin with. None. Fastest impeachment in our country's history. On what grounds? None. And not just the impeachment, but also the trial as well. Both the trial and impeachment were the well, fastest yeah, Industry. Yeah, it, it never should have gotten. To, well, the first one never should have happened anyway. No. Now, if we're going to and I'm just I'm not playing sides here. Believe me, I'm not playing sides. I'm not playing rah, rah, Trump or any, any of that that nonsense. OK, I'm saying we have a procedure and a constitutional procedure at that in place to remove a sitting president for a, a number of reasons. Now, if we are to do that, then we need to do it correctly. We need to do it by what the Constitution says. We need to do it by the letter of the law. And that's not what happened here. I'm a person that believes in injustice. I believe in law and order. I'm a man of conviction. I believe in the law. And that's not what happened here. So if we're going to try somebody, if we're going to if we're going to remove a sitting president, then it needs to be done under the correct terms. And on top of that, we're going to impeach. A, 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 excuse me. We're going to try a private citizen. We're, we're going to try a private citizen who's who's no longer in office. The Senate. We have civil courts for trials. We don't have. Uh, a Senate hearing that this is not this is not a trial by the Politburo in the Soviet Union. That, that's not how this works. Pelosi came out strong against now voting to censure Trump, a lesser punishment that some bipartisan senators had floated as an alternative to impeachment. OK, I still think that's too much power for the for a governmental body to have, let alone a, a big tech company. Right. This is all the whole impeachment process is nothing but political. If you look at the the processes that uh, are in place and who does it, it's all political. It has no real bearing. It's basically if you have one party uh, in the House and Senate and then in another party is president, they could remove a president even though he was rightfully elected by the American people and the majority of the you know the the country wants that president. It doesn't matter. It's all political. Pelosi says that censure is a slap in the face of the Constitution. Oh, now she gives a damn about the Constitution. Now she cares about that. It lets everybody off the hook. All these cowardly senators who couldn't face up to what the president did and what was at stake for our country are now going to have a chance to give a little slap on the wrist. Can we have a recall of her as well? I, you know something? I, I'm just going to... Now, this is just my opinion, okay? Th this is just my opinion. And I've been saying this for quite some time, for a number of weeks now, ever since the uh, the certification of the election. And now, here, here's, my, here's my take on this. I'll bet you, if you were to go through and start looking into audits of these states and locales and things like that, that use Dominion and Smartmatic, I'll bet we're going to find that a lot of these people, Pelosi included 
are probably not even supposed to be there, if I had to guess. That's just my guess. Now, I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but I'm just guessing. Now, mind you, a woman who's elected to represent San Francisco who doesn't live there, okay? Let's just think about that for a minute, in and of itself, voter fraud aside. I don't know. I, I could still say she was probably rightfully elected by people that are brainwashed. I mean, if, True. if True. people in that area only watch the major news media, uh, of course they would vote for Pelosi. Or the, you can't yeah. vote for a Republican because they're extremist radicals, right? Or the dead vote. Or the dead vote, illegals. Yeah. We have a legitimate government in D.C., don't we? Don't we? Aren't they a government of, for, and by the people? Don't they represent well, your best interests? I mean, surely there's no problem. You're not insinuating there's some problem there where they're, they're talking about having National Guard around D.C. till the fall. No. I mean, clearly there's no, no problem there at all. No. Right? Uh, that's normal, isn't it? Yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah. The unscalable walls, the razor wire, the... Um, mm -hmm. The white barricade, white barricaded walls up everywhere. That's normal, isn't it? That's the new normal. Yeah. yeah. Oh, new normal. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. The DOD, which is the Department of Defense, are considering keeping National Guard troops in Washington, D.C. through fall. W why? There are approximately 6,000, which I think it's more than this. There are approximately 6,000 National Guard troops patrolling Washington, D.C. following the Capitol riot. On January 6th, at one point, there were an estimated 26,000 National Guard members in D.C. to provide security for President Joe Biden's inauguration. They actually needed 26,000 troops there because they didn't have any civilians out there, more than a handful of wound up radical idiots to actually show support for this this person. Joe Biden was giving speeches to empty parking lots. The most popular president in, in U.S. history. And he can't even get 12 people in a parking lot. Do you remember the uh, you remember the high school uh, stadium or excuse me, you remember the high school gymnasium events that he would have? And there was literally no one there. It was it was the media people snapping pictures like you could hear the cameras clicking, snapping the pictures. There was no one there. Joe Biden would be walking out and it's like there's no one there. Phoenix. OK, Phoenix, Phoenix, Arizona. We went over a news report, a local affiliate down there. I think it was like CBS or something. Their local CBS affiliate. The first kickoff day of the Biden-Harris presidential campaign tour, right? The first time they were both being seen publicly together on the ticket. You would think like it was their inaugural, like it was their 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 kickoff tour. That's supposed to be like this big event and the media's there and you've got thousands of people there and they have parades and, and all kinds of stuff. There was nobody there outside of media people. There was no one there. No one cares. You see, they didn't steal the election. All right. I, I'll, I'll say that. They didn't steal the election. I'll tell you what they did. They took it. That's what they did. If you're so popular, if you're a man of the people, okay, and I'm just, I'm calling a spade a spade here, okay? So don't, don't, give, don't give me that crap about, oh, you're some big right winger. I don't want to hear it anymore. That's for people that sit around and watch the mainstream media and carry that ball all day, okay? You're on this side. You're on that side. No. I'm not on this side. I'm not on that side. I'm an independent conservative. If you really want to put a label on it. OK, I'll go there with it. But if you're a man of the people, if you're legitimate, if you're a legitimate government, let alone a person in the Oval Office or not, if you're a legitimate government, then why do you need so many troops there? Why do you need to put walls and barricades up? Why? If you've got the support of the people, then why do you need all that? I don't remember the former government under Trump having all that there. As a matter of fact, I don't remember seeing that at all. Why? There's uh, senators that sit on the uh, Intelligence Committee, and they're saying there is no specific credible threat to the White House or to the presidency or any of that, right? The only thing that's there right now is bluster on the internet of unorganized individuals. 
There's nothing new. In other words, this is what we've had since the internet was a big thing, right? You, you always have those radical groups that lurk in the shadows that talk about this nonsense. Now, uh, if there's a if there's a legit organized threat, I'm sorry to jump in here on you, but if there's a legit organized threat to that point you just mentioned, then OK, I can see it. But after that threat has been dealt with, let's make sure all that stuff gets taken away. Sorry, go on. So he, they're saying there's no credible threat. And there now is a three mile perimeter around the, the Capitol grounds. Uh, complete with the barriers and the fences and the barbed wire and the razor wire and soldiers patrolling. But all of that, that's cost us $500 million, by the way. By the, let's see, March 15th, it'll be $500 million, estimated by Forbes. And how much, so, are, the, how much are the states getting paid to, to take their National Guard troops away from their states to be there? I, I, uh, I'm assuming it's the $200 million or so is for, it's labeled as for operations. Whereas 200, um, so it's just shy of 500 million and they're saying 284 million is for personnel and about 200 million is for operations. I'm assuming the four operations is paying for uh, logistics and for uh, the states having it over, uh, having them here. But they're talking about till the fall. I mean, if this is, you know, 500 million there, it's going to be another couple billion that we're going to spend on just keeping soldiers there for no reason. There is no specified mission that they have. They're they're just there. And 2,000 of them that we know of have been deputized as U.S. Marshals with arrest powers. Who are you arresting? We, we don't know why. Uh, I, I, I don't, we still don't know. Which, uh, speaking of which, the Capitol Police, um, they issued a vote of no confidence for the top leadership. Uh, oh, okay, hold on a second. The Capitol Police issued a vote of no confidence to the top leadership of the Capitol Police? Yeah, so the Capitol Police Union reportedly issued a vote of no confidence in their upper levels of Capitol Police leadership. Interesting. Yeah, the union uh, originally scheduled the no confidence vote to occur during the week that Officer Sitnik would lie uh, in honor at the Capitol building. This resulted in an officers complaining of the timing of the vote, and it was postponed. Um, the vote started on Thursday afternoon and continued for 24 hours. So that gave three shifts of officers a chance to vote, and uh, both union and non-union members were eligible. Uh, the vote was open to those uh, who were represented by the collective bargaining agreement. So I'm confused here. They issue a vote of no confidence. In their leadership. For what purpose? That's what I'm trying to see if they have a... Because I'll tell you something. If you're if you're a... Uh, and this is this is kind of what I've been... Ad- how do I say? I don't want to say advocating, but this is kind of what I've been pushing for since May when the riots started. And I said, you good police officers, what in the hell are you doing? Why are you protecting these people? That's what needs to happen right there is you need to call for a vote of no confidence within your police union. And you need to remove these people that are preventing you good officers from doing your jobs. The thing is, though... It wasn't my understanding was it wasn't the law enforcement's leadership that was the problem. It was they were asking for more aid and they they were being denied. So I don't know if it was officers were acting uh, asking their superiors or if the uh, police chief and whatnot were asking. Well, in this case, it would have been Congress, uh, you know, the, the general for more like National Guard and all those things. And they were being denied, denied, denied. So I, I, I don't know who's to blame there. Yeah. But and you had has been resignations. Yeah. And you had several officers, one of which was the person that was was the officer that was in charge, uh, the ranking officer that was in charge of what was going on at the Capitol on January 6th, committed suicide the next day, didn't he? Yeah. 
you also had um, you had like Sergeant Varms uh, resigned. There was a chief. Let's see. Um, yeah, acting chief. Uh, he resigned. So I mean, I don't know what they're. I'm not seeing anything on their statement like what they're. The vote of no confidence was over. It just says that vote totals varied for each boss, uh, but each of the seven acting chief, pitmen, two assistant chiefs, two deputy chiefs, and a captain in the division that staffs the Capitol building were found not to have the confidence of rank and file officers, according to two sources who shared the vote totals with CNN. But they're not CNN. The, the CNN article is not even talking about why the why the the vote was uh, held. What was it over? What was their, I don't know. So my my guess is they're manipulating it a little bit and not giving you all the facts to make it sound like the officers were having a no vote or no confidence vote because they were involved. They helped the MAGA people. They, you know, that that's what CNN, it feels like they're, they're trying to say in their article. I got one other thing here, kind of in relation to that and national security and all that. There's a, an ammo producer. I'm, I'm probably skewing it. Phoenix? Is that how you pronounce it? I don't know how you pronounce it. Anyway, manufacturer Phoenix. in, is it Phoenix? F-E-N-I-X? Could be, yeah, Phoenix, yeah. Um, they are basically polling people before they buy ammunition. On, they're an online seller, I believe. And uh, they are a manufacturer in Minnesota, no, Michigan, excuse me, uh, Michigan. They're asking their customers, were you a Biden supporter? And if they answer yes, they don't do sales with them. Interesting. And their their statement is, yes, they're serious. Joe Biden ran on a campaign built on the most radical gun control platform a major party candidate has ever had, including banning online sales of ammunition, essentially a plan to bankrupt our company. So that's why they're saying, yeah, if you voted for Biden, we're not we're not selling to you. You know, I know a lot of people that um, do business with gun stores and in, in the U.S. and, and uh, a lot of people that um, spend time there, spend a lot of money there. I mean, you know, it's just a, like a gun shop. You know, it's your typical in some places. You know, areas where you and I come from, Bruce. It's a hangout. You know, you go down there. You don't go in there to buy anything. You go down there just to talk and look over the merchandise. Maybe you buy something, right? Maybe you buy something. You don't know. But um, you're usually on a first name basis with the people that work there. And, uh, you know, you uh, make good you're in good company with people that come in and buy and you can meet and greet and um, really develop a good rapport with some people. I remember when Obama was in office, a buddy of mine uh, ran a gun store. He still runs it. And he always had a sign up there with Obama's picture in it said employee of the year. I asked him once, I said, why do you have that up there? And he says, this guy is the best salesman I've ever had. And it was because all of the unconstitutional gun regulations that he and the Congress are trying to hand down that uh, that allowed the sales to surge. I mean, we were seeing in some cases, now I'm going to spit out some numbers here and see if this shocks you. And I, honestly, this is a good thing, but it's a bad thing at the same time. It's a good thing, but it's a bad thing. When Obama was handing out all that unconstitutional gun legislation that was being passed down through the Congress and the stuff he was doing with executive orders in relation to violations of the Second Amendment, as far as I'm concerned, the average amount of NICS checks, which was the FBI instant background check for purchasing a firearm, the number that we're going through around each month at the time was around 10 million, 10 million NICS checks every month. And those were for first time buyers. January. OK, we just got the numbers from January, all right, because we're two weeks into the next month. We just got the numbers for January 2021. They had 40 million NICS checks in January of 2021. Last month alone, you had 40 million NICS checks in the United States for legal gun purchases. Now think about that. Last year, 
Um, well, some states actually require you to have a background check just to buy the ammunition. So some of that could be California's you know, one of them. Ammo. Yeah. Um, last year, uh, there was an at at uh, year close. Yeah, there was an estimated twenty three million firearms had been sold. The greatest number ever recorded so far. And if they continue with the the, the these regulations. I mean, there is a, there's even gun stores that are saying, yeah, if you were a Biden supporter, we're not doing business with you. In fact, we don't need to do business with you because we're having difficulty um, keeping our stocks uh, or our shelves stocked because people are coming in and buying stuff. So ammunition is actually in so- short supply right now. It's actually really expensive. Currently. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a while uh, that ammunition has been in short supply. When Trump was in office, it was plentiful. But now it's... Um pretty hard to come by, I understand. All right, let's uh, let's switch up here a little bit. Let's jump over to um, Dr. Anthony Flip-Flop Fauci. He has decided now that uh, schools can reopen. It's fine. Let's go back a couple of weeks ago. The CDC director was giving a White House press conference, produced a 200-page report on the reopening of schools that the administration wanted to do. Biden said, we need to get these kids back in school. We got to reopen the schools, right? We're going to follow the science, right? I love how they say this. We're going to follow the science. We're going to follow what's going on with the CDC. Okay, fine. Well, the CDC director said, here's a 200-page report on reopening the schools. Dr. Anthony Fauci, the saint to Dr. Anthony Fauci said, well, we can reopen the schools. It's fine. No problem. Within a couple of hours, he was out there in the media saying, we can't reopen these schools until we vaccinate all the teachers and the students. We, we, we just can't do it. No, we, we just can't do it. 40 minutes ago, 40 minutes ago, he's just come out 40 minutes ago and said, not all the teachers need to be vaccinated for the schools to reopen. No, just a well, mandatory mask, right? Well, when you're getting checks from so many different places, it's hard to remember which <laughs> one gave you the bigger check. Yes, Chief. (laughs) True. That's true. He says it's not the case. He says it's not the case that you can't open a school unless all the teachers are vaccinated. That would be optimal if you could do that. Practically speaking. Oh, yes, because he's all about practicality. Practically speaking, when you balance the benefit of getting the children back to school with the fact that the risks are being mitigated, if you follow the recommendations and these new guidelines from the CDC, which one is that? Is that the two masking? Yeah, is that the two? Is that the three with the four? Or is that the five? No, it could be the four one. Yeah, the f- I'm not sure. Hopefully, I think that that will alleviate the concerns on both sides. We'll see. He's he's spoken. The expert has spoken. There you go. So if you just adhere to the new guidelines, forget the old ones, right? The old ones don't work. If you adhere to the new guidelines, then you'll be okay. Good. Good to know. I, I still. Well, uh, I'm going to wait till next week to get the new update. The newest, newest update. Yeah, next week he's going to come out. I guarantee you, next week he's going to come out well, and he's going to say, yeah, we're not. Facts. What's that? You know, uh, shotgun facts. Basically, you just shoot out a bunch of possible facts and one of them should be true. It's a good point. For the moment. CDC, uh, we, we heard last year before the vaccine was available that the mask was more effective than any vaccine will ever be. Oh, yes. Yeah. That was CDC head. What is it? Radcliffe, Redcliffe, whatever. Robert uh, uh, Redfield. Robert Redfield. Redfield? Redfield. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. I anyway, was thinking Robert yeah. Redford, but that was the, the actor. Yeah. So it's, it's not him. Robert Redfield was the yeah, the one. Redfield. The guy that was yeah. the guy that was asked flat out in front of Congress and while the C-SPAN cameras were on, should healthy people wear a mask? No. That guy? Yeah. The one that yeah. said masks are more effective than a vaccine? Yeah. That guy? Fauci. Fauci himself... You quoted it last week, said if we have 70 to 80 percent mass compliance, then you'll eradicate everything with COVID. 
you'll eradicate it. Okay, well, the U.S. US has had 93. Yeah, the U.S. has had over just over 90. It's like 93 percent on average across the country. Still got it. All right. uh, GP, need you back here. So is this um, is this the 14 days since he changed? Is it did he like take a little actually actually it is it is it is about 14 days now that I now that I think on it. Yeah. It is about 14 days. So so he he made a statement, waited 14 days to flatten the curve, and now he's changed his stance. Right? <laughs> yes, because that didn't work. So now he's got to change up a little bit. Yeah, he got to throw okay. something else. Okay, I'm perplexed by this. I need you to explain this. Because you called me yesterday and you said something that, quite frankly, doesn't surprise me. But um, four people in Oregon who received both doses of the vaccine have tested positive for COVID. Now, how is this yes, possible? Because the vaccine doesn't stop you from getting it or giving it to other people. It actually works with the symptoms. It reduces the severity of the symptoms. That's how the vaccine works. And what they're banking on is the vast majority of people have already, you know, because we already know that over, they've already publicized it now. Every mainstream media has now that over 80% of the population is asymptomatic when they get the virus. They've already they've already established that's over 80 percent. So what they're rooting on is that they've already got the antibodies. So if they get the vaccine, they're probably not going to get the virus because they've already had it. You're not going to get it again because you already have the antibodies. This vaccine is just to reduce the symptoms. If you go in the Pfizer, if you go in the Moderna, that's if you go you catch in the it, if you catch it and you're symptomatic. If you catch it and you're symptomatic, if you're symptomatic, the symptoms will be reduced. This is basically to reduce the amount of people that are in the hospital. Okay, my question. Okay, so essentially what this is, okay, they're marketing, and I'm doing the air quotes, they're marketing, they're marketing a vaccine for therapeutics. Mm-hmm. Is that is that what, that's essentially what okay, they're doing here. You know how like if you have a fever and you just let it go, the fever maintains, but if you take aspirin, it reduces the fever? Yes. That's what the vaccine is doing. Okay, so- as opposed it, to not as simple as just a fever. I mean, you're reducing the amount of lung damage and reducing some of the brain complications that we're finding. We're reducing the the chances of a quite a few things, but you're also adding in new risk because you can, as a younger person, die from the vaccine. As an older person, you'll die from the vaccine too. But yeah, yeah, there was a case in New York where a guy, a 70 year old guy, took a took a COVID vaccine. And within 20 minutes, he was dead. So as a matter of fact, I've got that uh, around here somewhere. Uh, give me a second. I'll pull that. But while I'm pulling that, can you speak to what they're telling people now? When you get a COVID vaccine, don't take an antibody yeah. test. Right. We, we want you to. OK, as we all know, how vaccines work is that you get, you know, the material is introduced to you and you produce antibodies against specific illness. You know, say you're getting a polio vaccine, you get the vaccine. And the next thing you know, your body is producing antibodies against polio. Well, what they're telling people now is don't get antibodies tests after the vaccine because you're not going to produce antibodies. Um. <laughs> it's, it's really complicated and they don't want you to do multiple tests. That's where this, this is where this this trickery comes in, because, you know, most people I finding about 30 percent of the population already has antibodies. So if you have antibodies already, but you never knew you had them, and you get the vaccine and you get a va- you get an antibodies test, you're going to go, oh, look, the, the vaccine works. But because not enough people have already had the antibodies, they had to actually make a public statement saying, well, if you get the vaccine and antibodies don't show up, don't worry, it's working. Well, I, I know people that uh, I know people but that that's have. How- yeah, uh-huh. I, I know people that have antibodies 
and they, they've never had a, a single symptom. So, I mean, an asymptomatic case or, or whatever. Right. But but honestly, I mean, you're, you're talking about logical, reasonable, common sense thinking here. OK, what you're doing, mm-hmm. what you're talking about. But these people that are in these these health departments or, or government or, or whatever, they don't care. They don't care about any of that stuff. If you have had a virus and you've already developed an immunity to it, I don't care what virus it is, then mm-hmm. you should not be forced to go take a vaccine for that, especially if it's not something that helps your body build an immunity to something, if it's just a therapeutic right. treating the symptoms. And every six months, you're going to have to get this vaccine for the rest of your life. Uh, No, no. No, no, that's no. what they're pushing. Oh, they're pushing more than that. They're saying they're every three every, months. Oh, every three months now? It was six months. Well, every three months. And see, so you're having to take this every three months for the rest of your life to something that you can't prove is actually doing anything. Because remember, 80% of the population, 80% will not have any symptoms. So basically what, we're, what you're saying is go in and get a antibodies test first. If you're mm-hmm. going to get, get the vaccine, exactly. get the vaccine and then take another one. Mm-hmm. But if you already have antibodies before you get the vaccine, there's no point in getting the vaccine. Well, the vaccine that they're pushing is for symptoms. Remember, if you're in that category, that's the likelihood of having severe symptoms. You know, but more if you already have antibodies, though. No, no. Even if you have antibodies for them, the the vaccine can still mitigate. You know, because even if you have antibodies, there still is a chance that you can get said COVID. You know, said illnesses, uh, the the lung problems, the brain problems, the whole lung. If you get the vaccine, it reduces those symptoms. Nah, sorry. I don't, uh, <laughs> nah, I don't think so. Like taking aspirin for a fever. I yep. mean, yeah, you may get a fever. You may not get a fever, but at least, you know, if you've been had aspirin in your system. But you're, you're talking a about, a nut, you're talking about something. Okay. Forget all that stuff that we're sitting here talking on. Let's look at the actual survivability of it. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a 99.7% chance of a survival. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking a vaccination for something that I've got a 0.3 chance of falling victim to. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Well, in your age category, it's actually 99.9. Yeah, I was going to say it's even higher. Yeah, it's even higher if you're under that. Okay, so I got this article. A man in his 70s collapses and dies just oh. 25 minutes after receiving COVID-19 vaccine in New York City. As officials say he quote, didn't have an allergic reaction. The man who was in his 70s collapsed as he left Manhattan's Javits Center, or Jacob Javits Center, just 25 minutes after receiving a shot. The man has not yet been named, and it's unclear what shot he received. His cause of death is also currently unknown. Uh-huh. With an investigation underway. Yeah, okay. Man's perfectly fine walking in there, gets a vaccine, drops over dead 25 minutes later. Gee, I wonder what killed him. New York State Health Commissioner Dr. Howard Zucker said, what's that? COVID-19. COVID-19. It got him I mean, before. Actually, oh, he had it before, yeah. Actually, mm-hmm. to, to be fair, uh, I would like to know what killed him. What was the reaction? I mean, yeah, it could have been the vaccine that was the, the, the causing factor, but what did it trigger? What happened? What was the process? What cascade failure did we attack, see? Stroke. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. What, what exactly was it? Yeah. That's just one case. I mean, hell, we were talking about mass, mass death in places like the UK. We were talking about that in places like Germany. Right. There was a case that we're still trying to confirm down in Gibraltar of over 50 in one day. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. They lost seven people 
Gibraltar did, the territory of Gibraltar off the coast of Spain in the, in the Mediterranean. They lost seven people all of last year. And supposedly they lost, what was it, 50? 50. 50, in one, 50 or 53, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Uh, this year. This year. There's a little bit of a problem there. And the thing is, is you've got a population down there of about twenty five to 30,000. And we do have somebody on the ground down there. I'm trying to get in touch with him uh, to see, uh, see if I can get any information. But uh, yeah, anyway. Uh, but yeah, there's that. Also, you've got countries like France. Right. Emmanuel Macron says, what are we doing with these vaccines? These things don't even work. Hell, they threw AstraZeneca out of the country. The Indians threw Pfizer out. They threw Pfizer out. The Australians had to pull it back completely and said, no, we have to stop all this because it was giving people false positives of HIV. So they had to shut it down. So th this whole idea that, that you're going to get whacked up with these things four, five times a year, however the hell long it is, then uh, no, no, hell no. And of course, now they're coming out saying, oh, well, we're... Uh, we're looking at other vaccinations for all the variants. Yeah, sure, sure. Novavax has got one and uh, this other one. All right, uh, Novavax, don't even get me started on that company. Okay, that's a company that's bankrolled by Bill and Melinda Gates and the World Economic Forum. Okay, don't even get me started on those people. A company that's been around since 87 hasn't created a single working vaccine in their entire existence. And now all of a sudden they're going to manufacture something that's got a 92% efficacy? No, no. You can go sell that to somebody else. Just trust the government. They know yeah. what's best for it. Yeah. But now the EU, well, basically it's like the, their equivalent of like the CDC. Uh, they say that it's likely that COVID-19 is going to be with us forever. Well, if that's the case, and I think we should just pack it in and get on with life, don't you? Forever. Forever is a, a, a bit of a, I mean, that's kind of not a good statement. That, no, that, it's, that it's not really a good statement. No, it's, it's not a good statement considering yeah. that, um, yeah, considering that um, the bigger virus here is not an actual something that you can catch. The bigger virus is actually the government response to all of it itself. That's the bigger virus here. That's the bigger thing. So if he says that uh, this virus is going to likely be with us forever, well, that remains to be seen as far as I'm concerned. Let's get over to China. China. Now, they were giving reports to the World Health Organization investigation team that was there last week. And they said that they were getting very straight answers from the, the Chinese investigation team that was in the lab, and they were reporting back to the World Health Organization people. Now, a team member on that investigation team for the World Health Organization is saying that China refused, they refused to give COVID data to their investigation team. They refused. Can you imagine this, Bruce? Can you imagine if you're there investigating the origins of a virus and you can't get into the place where you think it might have come from, but instead you're getting an intermediary saying, well, the, yeah, there's there's no way it could have come from here. If you looked at another country, maybe. The World Health Organization says that China refused to give them raw data on COVID. Now, that's that's a hell of an accusation to make. China refused to give raw data on early COVID-19 cases to the World Health Organization-led probing the origins of the pandemic, one of the team's investigators has said. The team had requested raw patient data on 174 cases that China had identified from the early phase of the outbreak in the city of Wuhan. Can we even say that? Can we say that? Well, I mean, technically, yes, but they, they don't want us to. No, no. Well, as a matter of fact, China's actually come out and said, we're not even sure it even came from here. We need to possibly look at the uh, the wider range of the origins of this, meaning, okay, how wide do you want to go with it? Did it come from the North Pole? Did it come from the South Pole? Did it come from, I don't know, Patagonia? Did it come from a stream in Patagonia where they have a rare fish? How wide do you want to go with it? That's how absurd this is. They also requested information on other cases, but were only provided with a summary that's all they got was just a summary. Oh, here's a here's a two paragraph uh, piece of paper. That's yeah. Here you go. That's that's all you need. Such raw data is known as line listings, 
and would typically be anonymized, but contain details such as what questions were asked of individual patients, their responses, and how their responses were analyzed. That's a standard practice for an outbreak investigation. He said that gaining access to the raw data was especially important since only half of the 174 cases had exposure to the Hunan market, which was the wet market, the seafood thing, the mm-hmm. bat soup, pangolin sandwich, whatever the hell. The now shuttered wholesale food center in Wuhan where the virus was initially detected. Really? Really? Well, <laughs> it could have been initially detected there. It could have. It could have, yeah. Somebody went to lunch, yeah. Yeah, let's say you're at the Wuhan lab and you you left to go to, uh, or you know, you go home. You're gonna you're gonna pick up some fresh meat on the way home, right? And you just pass through there and sneeze or cough after being infected by one of the, uh, you know, your your wonderful policies that you have there at the Wuhan lab. You know, the team member went on to say that's why we persisted to ask for that. How tough were you? How tough were you? I'm just curious. How tough were you on that one? I want to add to the the cough or sneeze thing. I've also heard theory that they, they, so they test on like rats and that's a food source there. And they could have sold the, the, the rat that had been tested on at the wet market. And that's one of the ways that it spread. Yeah, that's true. I heard another thing. China's medical waste disposal is vastly different to how we do things here in the West. It's vastly different. To say that these people follow proper procedure and and policy is, that's not saying a whole lot. They literally just take protective gear and whatever, and they just toss it out in the dumpster in the back. That's all they do, or the bin or whatever you call it, uh, if you're from the UK. That's what they do with it. And a lot of times, what some people will do that work in these markets like this, they will go and they will dig through trash and get protective equipment, and it could have been possibly contaminated. Now, that sounds like maybe a stretch, but it is possible. It is possible. If someone's looking for, let's say, like uh, a whole bunch of rubber gloves or something or protective gloves, and someone was working on a live sample in a laboratory and they just threw it out, not following proper disposal procedure, having medical waste incinerated, then yeah, it's possible. It's possible. He went on to say, why that doesn't happen? I couldn't comment. Rather, it's political Gee, I wonder if it's political or time. Oh, yes, they were just too busy. Yeah, they had to go to lunch. They, they just didn't have time to get that to you. Or it's difficult. Oh, it's difficult. We've destroyed the world economy. We've, we've destroyed generations of wealth and prosperity, whatever the hell was left. And it's too difficult. And you wonder why Trump pulled the U.S. out of this useless organization that is a wholly owned subsidiary of the Chinese Communist Party, of which the U.S. pays their tax money to, I might add, a goodly percentage of it. We support over one third of the World Health Organization's budget, if anyone didn't know. But whether there are any other reasons why the data isn't available, I don't know. Well, what do you know? One would only speculate. Well, you know something? I'm glad that we have such crackshot investigators such as yourselves. I'm glad we have people that are in there that are willing to go the extra mile and actually get to the bottom of things. You people are about as useless. You people are just nothing but a waste of time. You're a waste of time. You're a waste of resources. You're a waste of money. You ought to be ashamed of yourselves. Just do yourselves a favor and resign and go get a job serving coffee somewhere if you can do that. Because your policies, as far as I'm concerned, have got got the entire Western world shut down. China's open for business. We're not. And it's due to these garbage policies from useless individuals just like that. Just like that. Gee, did they put you up in a five-star hotel in Beijing? Did they give you the room service? Did they take you to dinner? Well, I mean, what, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to say? 
You know they maybe, did. Maybe, maybe they were given a fang fang themselves. Yeah, Mr. Uh, Mr. Eric Swalwell, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, okay, now, here's good news. Here's some good news out of all this. Because this is going to be with us forever, that's what the EU guy said, because it's going to be with us forever, and because it was too difficult, and there wasn't enough time, and it was too political in China, apparently, to get any straight answers out of these, uh, these whatever they are, because all that was there. The good news is, the good news is, is that there's a study out that says that COVID-19 symptoms can be discovered by wearable devices. Aren't you glad you've got all those smart watches now, Bruce? Aren't you glad you've, you've got all that stuff? Yeah, I've got them all piled up over here yeah. around my desk. Yeah, all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, your Fitbit right over there behind you. Yeah, I see it charging back there. Yeah. Yeah, that's facetious, by the way. I don't own one. Just yeah, clear. I, I don't either. I, and I never will. Right, GP? Yeah, I'll never own one of those. A new study from New York researchers has found that wearable devices can discover COVID-19 symptoms and therefore cases, cases ahead of tests. Now, see, you don't have to get a test anymore. You don't have to get one of those tests that are wholly inaccurate, 97% inaccurate. You don't have to get one of those anymore. Now you're going to be forced to wear one of these devices. When I say forced, when I say forced, you think I'm joking. How far are you going to let this go? How far are you going to let them take it? Because I tell you what, they haven't had any pushback yet. None. And you see where it's at. What happened to 14 days? Again, I'll ask the question. I will continue to ask that question. What happened to 14 days to flatten the curve? Now look where we are. Now it's, oh, you can't leave your house until you have a vaccine of which GP explained on how all that works. And you're going to have to have a, well, a vaccine passport to get anywhere. And yeah, well, Wait a minute. I thought it was just 14 days. A new study from Mount Sinai, uh, which is in New York, which was published in the Journal of Medical Internet Research on January 29th, found that wearable devices can find traditional diagnostic methods to track COVID-19 symptoms and cases. The study called the Warrior Watch Study. Warrior Watch. Oh, you see how they you see how they give it this official sounding thing. And yeah, it's going to be yeah, it's it, it's your duty and it's patriotic. Yeah. You remember that? The Patriot Act? Yeah. You remember that? Most unpatriotic yeah. piece of garbage that the U.S. Yeah. has seen in modern history. And you call it the Patriot Act. It's disgusting. The Heroes Act. The Hero. Yeah. The Heroes Act. You remember that? Yeah. The Warrior Watch study found that wearable devices can detect heart rate variability. Yeah, because those are so accurate. GP, tell us how handy Excuse me, the hand. GP, tell us Handy? how. Yeah, tell tell us how accurate these wearable devices are when it comes to detecting your heart rate. Okay, just everybody go on to any website for any heart rate monitor and look at the negative reviews, and you'll just see mo- almost every negative review for every device is the heart rate monitor portion of it sucks. Which they say that this is one of the key things in detecting COVID nineteen symptoms. Now, see mm-hmm. this, this can signal a COVID-19 infection seven days before patients can even be officially diagnosed. Through heart rate. That's what they're saying, yes. But you can also know what you can do? If you can track the location of an individual through this device and their heart rate is accelerated like you're going to do something nefarious, that's detectable. But a virus? I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. This is why we're talking about this. Technically, though. Because your heart rate increases when you're doing something nefarious, whatever it may be. Yeah, but and if you you're have... in close proximity to a you know a sensitive location, they don't want to see people's heart rates high. Yeah, but if you have the fever, right? If you have a fever, mm-hmm. that, your heart rate does increase a bit there. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, 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 but how do you determine whether the person's base rate is this or that's fever? Some people have heart rates of their normal heart rate is 88. 
Yeah, but some people's heart rate's normal base rate is 36. Yeah, but if you're wearing it all the time, it's mm-hmm. already established a base for you. And mm-hmm. then I, I'm, I'm with you. They're totally going to As your health that. changes, as your health changes, so does your heart rate. Well, let's talk about it. Let's talk here in the, on the paper about how the research was done. So maybe this will give some more mm-hmm. insight to it. Researchers reviewed cases for several hundred healthcare workers, according to EMS1.com, a new source for the emergency medical service personnel. The participants wore Apple watches from April to September of 2020 and answered questions about their health. Changes in their heart rate variability were measured to detect whether or not they would be infected with COVID-19. The study found the HRV, heart rate variability changes, were an indicator of COVID-19 diagnosis. The researchers collected data on symptoms such as fever, chills, fatigue, body aches, dry cough, and more. It's okay, so they're basing it on the fact that there would be a spike in a fever then? Is it, I'm, I'm trying to... I'm trying to couple the two. So what were changes in their heart rate variability were measured to detect whether or not they would be infected with COVID-19. How can you predict when someone's going to be infected? See, I thought they were going off of like coughing or, you know, something like that. Breathing problems or something using audible, you know, like microphone or something is what my first thought was. But heart rate or body uh, temperature. or body temperature, yeah, combining all the above. But the heart rate one, knowing that the the inaccuracies of it, I wouldn't have thought they went that they would go that direction. I, it just no. Apparently, they've used a, a multitude of wearables since uh, all this stuff's been going on with COVID. NASA had a wearable device that warned people not to touch their face. Can you imagine that? <laughs> if you're walking around, don't touch your face. Singapore I'd do it just to freak people out. Oh yeah, I'd walk around. Hey, how you doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Touch my face. Uh, yeah. Or or the don't socially distant, you know, don't don't, you know, get too close to one another you know, socially distant. I'd get close yeah. to them just to set the alarm off, just to freak them out. Well, that's what the French were doing. They had businesses over there that were trying to make people wear these yeah. dog shock collars, saying, mm-hmm. Hey, you know, you get too close to that person. And the French worker said, No, absolutely not. Singapore asked to use a contact tracing app. Uh, or wearable device to keep track of COVID-19 cases. Hawaii also suggested wearables to keep track of people who visited the state during pandemic. All they're doing, all they're doing is just they're mainlining all this stuff that you and I have been talking about for the last three years. That's all they're doing right now is they're pushing it out further and further. They're just moving those goalposts, getting you into that state of learned helplessness. So you accept everything that they push at you. Oh, well, see, we've already got all these things right here. What, what did we say? What did we say? What, what did I tell you? First, it went to phones, right? Oh, yeah, phones. Wait till you see what's going to happen now. Internationally, they're going to start passing laws, making it a requirement for you to have phones. It's going to be illegal for you to not have one. And they're going to issue them to you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's coming. How long is it going to be before you're mandated to wear a watch? Well, they're mandating you wear a mask. Why not a watch? So it's, Why not just use those thermoelectric uh, circuitry that we were talking about and just implant a chip into you? That's where I was going with it. Exactly. You and I think is one. First, it starts with a handy personal assistant, right? That's what a phone is. It's your personal assistant. Okay. Your digital assistant. That's what it is. So you've got this. Then it goes to wearables, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. The, the glasses, the watches. What's after that? Any guesses? Implantables, I, like you just said. I, I, don't, I don't think they're going to issue them, though. Because, for example, how long did it take uh, the government to try to institute its own insurance and yet require you to have insurance at the same time? So I, I think it'll be like a law passed where you have to have this. And then it just lines the pockets of those corporations that manufacture. OK, because you're All right, I see what you're saying. Yeah, you're required to buy one, but they'll make it affordable to where, I mean, everybody can just go out and, and uh, affordable. Affordable. Yeah. 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 
yeah, yeah uh-huh. affordable. Yeah. And and if you yeah. get one, then they're going to give you that discount, uh, you know, that that government discount. And and yeah, you'll you'll have exactly what you need. Right. Right. And at the same time, those same politicians are investing in those um, smartphone companies. Yeah. Behind the and, scenes. and they're and they're the same ones that are requiring you do all this to to actually buy that product that they're lying yeah. their pockets with. Yeah. So it's like all these people that are saying, oh, no, we got to We got to keep on that. We got to stay on this mask. We got to keep wearing those. Mask. How many of these people have stock in PPE? How many? How many senators yeah. and Congress both people did? Sides. Yeah, both sides. Absolutely. How many senators and, and Congress people did we go over in the early days buying up all kinds of stock in personal mm. protective equipment? Mask companies, gloves, gowns, aprons, uh, scrubs. Quite the, cir- quite the circle jerk. Yeah. Yeah. And believe me, we went over actually Senator Loeffler, former Senator Kelly Loeffler, who was a GOP member, by the way. She was one of those people. Diane Feinstein. She was another one. Yeah, we went over a uh, we went over a list of senators and, and Congress people that uh, all those investments. So anyway, those, all right, those evil capitalists. Yeah, I wouldn't exactly call that uh, capitalism. That's insider trading, is what that is. But well, it's um, that's, that's the argument. That's the argument on the left is those evil capitalists. No, that's not capitalism. That's uh, well, really, they were, were, as we've said, we're going into a corporate fascism or an oligarchy. So that's kind of so where it's yeah. leading. Yeah. All right, we are going to have to go. We're out of time. But uh, great having you guys on today. We would normally plug our socials. I don't think Parler's back up yet. I mean, we're still waiting on that. When bon- when Dan Bongino said it's going to be back up Monday, did he mean Monday this month, next month, next year? I'm not quite sure when, when that well, I is. Mean, but, uh, the, the site is up, but as far as like the app itself yeah obviously it's not it's not back yeah. I, I i wonder i wonder if they're honestly having difficulty with amazon trying to get their data because the data is rightfully owned by parlor but amazon may be like no it's this this is on our systems and we're not giving it up could be yeah i don't know but i mean in, in any case um they could just come out and take the governor newsom approach and just say i made a bad mistake that would be the easiest thing to do amazon's not going to do that though yeah they're not going to do that of course not parlor could but- I mean, if Parler came out and said they made a bad mistake on the censoring, which they've said, if they would have taken that route, they would have been back up within within the week. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, lessons learned, though, I guess lessons learned. Although one company that hasn't taken any chances and they are keeping themselves small and compact and to the point and cutting through all the bull is Telegram. And that's where we are. We've got ourselves a channel set up over there. Uh, for those of you who have not joined over there, I really have to ask, what are you waiting on? Get over on the Telegram. It's a free app to download on the Apple Store, the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. Get on Telegram, get registered, jump over to our channel, search for Dynamic Independence. We're a public channel. We'll pop right up. You can subscribe to us over there. It's free to join. You'll get not only all of our podcasts here, we're also going to be putting out an exclusive podcast once per week that is going to only be available for our Telegram subscribers subscribers and get signed up to us over there and get that extra content. Also, if you would like to reach out to us, you can do so anytime by dropping us a line at tips at dynamicindependence.com. And we would ask you to pass this along to friends, family, and known associates. We're trying to grow here as much as possible, but we do need your help in order to do that. So if you could pass this along, we would appreciate that. We are available everywhere you get your podcast. Also, if you're rating podcasts, if you give us a rating at your earliest possible convenience, we would appreciate that as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. All right, fellas, that'll do it for today. Thank you guys for being here. Everyone have a great evening.